Good morning. And I'm not sure what to say exactly here, but uh, next week it looks like we may be meeting in person. Uh, and though these videos may continue, I'm excited about the opportunity to uh, meet with everyone on Sunday morning and see faces. And uh, more than the feeling it gets me, uh, it's watching everyone else uh, get to come together and get to have relationships that they and, and experience relationships they haven't got to be a part of recently. Anyway, I'm continuing on. This is the fourth in the series that Tim started three weeks ago uh, called Reset. And he's talked about a, a couple different things. Last week he talked about resetting your walk with God. And this week I'm going to be kind of tied into that. And if you notice, if you do have your notes, uh, I've entitled this Relationship Reset. Now that's not exactly the title that Tim gave me to speak about. However, I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, and so I want to go over there. Uh, we'll go from there. Anyway, for, as we get started, I just want to ask you a question. How would you describe, how do you describe your relationship with Jesus? Do you have a way that you describe it? Uh, I believe that most of the time, if you ask the people, probably ask somebody that question, the most popular answer you're going to get is Jesus is my Savior or Jesus is my personal Savior. And the second uh, probably answer you might get is Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And both are accurate. Both both are descriptive of, of, of Jesus. Um, but today we want to talk about what that relationship is look, looks like and what Jesus expects it to look like. And uh, one of the things I want to mention, um, well, let's look at these two passages here. First one's in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? And then in Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. See, guys, when we look at these two passages, Jesus is making it very plain to, to his followers in the first century and to us as followers today and for anybody that wants to be a follower for all of time that he is concerned with what our relationship looks like. And what I want to talk about today as we talk about relationship reset is how do you view your relationship with Jesus and how do you define it and what it looks like. You see, guys, as I... As I as I thought about this and talked about this, I had to come to the conclusion that relationships have roles. Okay, and that's what helps define them. You think about first comes off as husband and wife. There's different roles. And I know depending on uh, society and the time, those roles may change. But we have very clear roles. Parent-child. You know, who's the parent? Who's the child? We know when those roles get mixed up, we have a problem. And uh, they, these roles define, they give us direction for the relationship. You can think about employee and employer. One of the things we deal with, or I've had to deal with as a business owner, is there's times I have to politely tell some employees, that's not your responsibility, or that's not your concern. That's my concern as an owner, or as an employer, or as the boss, but it's not yours. Um... And so the, it, it gives it this. Think of student and a teacher. 
You think of a coach and a player. These different relationships define the roles and give direction like a compass. And what we're wanting to talk about today is to look at how do you think about your role in relationship with Jesus as well as his role. You see, because I don't know if you noticed or not, the uh, the word, the terms Lord and Savior, those define Jesus's role. And just off the top of my head, because I literally thought about this right before we started, was I don't know, I mean, with Lord, as we're going to talk about, there's a, that's Jesus's role as Lord. My role is as servant or subject. You know, and you, we're going to go on with those very things. But with Savior, what is my role? Acceptor? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Where the roles that Jesus uses more accurately to define himself also give us a role. And when you look at that, there's a number of them. Jesus used a number of different, there's different terminology that describes Jesus in the Bible. One of them, uh, as we've talked about, and it's probably the most popular, is Lord. He used that term as we just saw in those two passages. Uh, another is Master. He repeatedly told told uh, parables uh, about the master and the servant, and he is in the role of master. Uh, the, the role of king very clearly plays in because he is our king. Uh, just the fact we talk, say the word Jesus Christ, that's what that word Christ means, anointed one. It's I believe it's just as accurate. Instead of saying Jesus Christ, you could say Jesus, our King, or Jesus, my King. Um, and obviously the role of God. Now in each of those roles for Jesus, there's a role that we have. You know, as, 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 as for King, it's subject. Uh, for Master, it's servant. For Lord, it can be servant, it can be subject. Um, other words that define our role uh, within the Bible is, is, is ambassador. And so, guys, we, we want to look at this and see these roles give us direction. So you see, Tim asked me to talk about resetting lordship, resetting Jesus as the Lord of my life. And, guys, I think that's easy to say with words. And uh, Alan and I were talking, and he was telling me about a conversation that him and Tim were having uh, on Thursday when I wasn't around, and you're talking about how the word Lord or Lordship is kind of one of those words you hear so much and you kind of just don't think about what it really means. You don't think about the impact of what it really means. And I believe there's, there's several reasons for that, but one of the big ones is because if I say Jesus is my Lord, I can look at that a couple different ways, but one of them is just typically, oh, i got to do what he says. He's the boss. Not to look at it as, hey, I'm his, I'm, his, I'm his servant. I'm his subject. I'm here to represent him. And there's a desire to do that. And so, guys, that's what we want to look about and we want to talk about today. You see, guys, Jesus is concerned. He's extremely concerned with our relationship with him. That's what those passages we just read were all about. And he not only is he concerned about it, he's concerned that we misunderstand it, and he's also concerned that if we misunderstand it, thinking we understand it. Did you catch that? And especially in that passage in Matthew 7, 
where the people think, I'm good with Jesus. I call Him Lord. I do all these things for Him. All these religious activities. While Jesus says, I don't know you. And so guys, we need to read those words and go, those are words written to people who claim to be followers of Jesus or for people who claim to be followers of Jesus. And for fear that they feel secure in that relationship without ever understanding what that relationship is supposed to be like. And so I just want to talk about four things very briefly today uh, about how we can reset my relationship with Jesus. And that's why I call this relationship reset. And what we're after, we'll get there. Number one is I understand and accept that Jesus sets the terms of relationship. You see, guys, too many times in today's world, I believe people go, Jesus is my savior, and now he's my genie. Now he does what I want him to do. Now he makes my life easy. And that's just a misconception of what Jesus throws out here. Uh, There's a passage in Luke 14. Uh, You may or may not be familiar with it. It's one that we've used around here at Greater Alton for decades. And uh, beginning in verse 31, I believe it is, he says, Suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. You see, guys, too many times followers of Jesus are focused in on Jesus saved me. He's my personal Savior, and He does that. Okay, I'm not trying to minimize that. But we either are never presented with the terms for peace that Jesus offers us, the terms for relationship with Him, or we forget them, or we water them down, and we just go on our merry way, and 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 we want to. We end up. We face the potential of ending up like the people that Jesus talked about in Matthew seven, as we just read about. And so, guys, as you, as you talk about this, I mean, it, it doesn't take long to think about this. It doesn't take long to to look at what the Bible has to say and how Jesus described Himself. Jesus described Himself as Lord and Master. He, he calls us to die to ourselves. He uses the phrase, give up your very life. And these are the terms of our relationship with Jesus. It's not a matter of just, hey, you're my buddy, you're my pal, you do good things for me. It's a matter of the, ter- the terms that Jesus said is, you're here to represent me. I'm your master, you are my servant. I am your king, you are my subject or my ambassador. You represent me to the world. Now, what do I look like? Well, look at my life. And I love the passage in First Peter that gives me such clarity and, and, and helps me to understand what's going on in the world around me in my personal circumstances. And it says, To this you were called because Christ suffered, giving us an example that we should follow. You see, guys, those are the terms of following Jesus. Those are the terms of our relationship with Jesus is we are called to represent Him. You see, guys, here's the truth of the matter, and this is I don't have time to get into this real deep, but when God first made, just first created 
man and, and all of creation, it says very specifically that humans were created in the image of God. And we were, our charge, our role, our job description was to rule over creation. I mean, and I, I think it's a very accurate paraphrase to say well, us being made in the image of God and being given the, the job description to rule is we are to rep, we were to represent God to all of creation. Now we chose not, man chose not to do that. We chose, no, we don't, we don't like your terms, God. We want to do this our own way. That's literally what happened in Genesis 3 and following. And Jesus came along and he has been the only human being to perfectly represent God to the world. That's what it says in in Hebrews chapter 1, I believe it's verse 3. It says that he is the exact representation of God. In John 14, one of the disciples asked Jesus, he says, show us the Father. That's all we need. Just show us the Father. He's like, I can just picture Jesus going, you've seen me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You see, the challenge is, guys, we want to, how does it say this? We want to be God, but we don't want to be like God. And that's what Jesus is calling us to do. Those are the terms that we represent him by being like him. And that's no easy task. That means we die to ourselves. That means we give up what we want, give up our desires, Literally, and we give up some stuff we don't need, like worrying, okay? Like hatred, like lack of forgiveness, and we become like Jesus. Those are the terms of Jesus, of relationship with Jesus. He says, if you want to be my follower, you've got to move in the direction. The direction of your life has to be to represent me, to become like me, and to give up your desires, and your life, and your way of doing things. Those are the terms for Jesus. And so, guys, if we're going to reset it, I want to understand. I want to challenge you to go back and, and, and dig and to have a, a clearer understanding and accept Jesus' terms. Number two is I honestly examine and evaluate my position. What do you mean by that? Well, guys, a lot of times... I find, I find I, I've been a follower of Jesus since I was 12. That's when I first accepted his offer of forgiveness, and I was baptized, and I put him on as my Lord, and I was a media change. And, and since then, I've been up and down. But even for most of my adult life, I mean, I'm, I'm talking into my 30s, late 30s, and early 40s, I've, I've examined myself and come to the conclusion, I don't want what Jesus wants. You know, there was a time where I, my position isn't to become like Jesus. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to forgive. I don't want to be meek. I had my own ideas of what it means to follow Jesus, and I wanted to, to write that script myself. In 2 Corinthians 13, Paul calls the Corinthian church uh, to do some examination, and this is what he says. He said, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. 
You see, guys, as I talked about earlier, roles give us direction. And so if we understand that I'm supposed to have a role in my file, in my relationship with Jesus, uh, I think it's safe to say that we need to examine to make sure that we're fulfilling that role. And the, the clearest way that I know to examine and to test the direct, the, uh, whether I'm fulfilling that role is to look at the direction of my life. What, what direction is my life heading? What am I focused on? You know, I think of, uh, the passage, the story that Jesus told, it's in Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8, but the parable of the soils, and I think about the thorny soil constantly, because it has so been my challenge to not be thorny soil. And I believe that's where most Christians end up. But it says the worries of this life, the desire for other things, the deceitfulness of wealth. And guys, it is just so true. I've been there. I struggle with it where job and career and earning a living comes into play and earning enough for retirement or, uh, you know, raising my kids and them having all the things that I didn't. Guilty. That was a drive. That was a direction for me as a parent to give them things that I did not have. And that was far more material and far less spiritual than I, I wish I would have done. But we get so focused on this. And so, guys, I'm just asking you, if you want to reset your relationship with Jesus and resetting it to lordship, I'm asking you to examine the direction of your life. What consumes your time, your thoughts, where you spend your money, how you plan on spending your money. You know, is it like the Jesus or the what Jesus said, are you building barns for yourself? Storing up wealth for yourself? Are you doing it for the kingdom? There's nothing wrong with storing up money, by the way. Okay, he doesn't condemn that. It's the direction, it's why you're doing it that he's concerned about. And so, guys, I'm asking you to examine yourself and to test yourself to see if you're allowing Jesus to determine the terms of your relationship. If you've accepted his terms and those terms give you a role and give you direction. Third thing uh, is that I need to accept Jesus' terms daily. I, I can't overemphasize this. I've spoke on this many times. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 through 16, it says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Guys, it says we need to always be ready to give an answer. I believe that's daily. We need to do that. And I love it, guys, because it says, it says those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ. I just, I just stumbled on this. This is just another way of saying the same thing. I, I can't say this. I ever got up in the morning and said, what good behavior in Christ can I have today? I mean, I've said that in other words. I, I, I've thought that in other ways. But is that your goal? Or does, or, does, or does good behavior in Christ get choked out 
by everything going on around you. Because this needs to be a daily thing. Another passage is not in your notes is in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. It says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Because I don't believe this is talking about a one-time situation here. I believe this is talking about an ongoing situation. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith. Jesus is far more concerned with how we profess our faith every day of our lives after our initial acceptance of his terms than he is just with that first time. And so, guys, I just want to encourage you, say it out loud. Jesus is my king. Jesus is my master. Jesus, you are my Lord, and I'm wanting to represent you well today. Guys, I encourage you to say it out loud to other people. One of the ways I've done things when I'm, when I'm, uh, when I'm trying to help somebody financially usually, you know, I tell them, I am a servant of Jesus. And he wants me to represent him. And he wants you to know that he sees your struggles. And here's just a little way to help him. It's not for me. It's from, it's from my king. People, people sometimes will pat me on the back or say, hey, oh man, look at you. You deserve a star in your crown. And I will simply either say it to them or to myself. I'm a servant of Jesus. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is in my job description. I am merely doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And so, guys, I, I encourage you to, to, to accept Jesus' terms daily in your words, not just in a quiet time, but you're doing it in your words with yourself and with others. A lot of times I'm doing it with others, I get the most out of it. It's reminding me, it's, it's setting me even firmer in my direction. This is not only the direction I want to be going or that I'm accepting, but it's the direction I want to be, and I'm proud to serve Jesus. Fourth thing, guys, to reset a relationship is to reset all of your relationships. What do you mean by that? Well, the fact of the matter is we need to be connected. We need to have a strong connection to others that have accepted Jesus' terms for relationship as well. Following Jesus is not an easy task. You want to be a true minority in this world. You be a true representative of Jesus. And you will find out very quickly what being in the minority looks like. And we need to band together in our faith to understand that I am here to represent Jesus. And I need encouragement to do that. I think of, you know, just a couple weeks ago, uh, I gave a good friend a call. Why? You know, because I was having a real challenge following Jesus. My mood, my attitude with things going on was a challenge. And, and, and the brother came, we talked, and he just helped me to, to stay firm in my faith. And guys, that is what connection with Jesus is all about. And I, I want us to reset this. Look at this here in Matthew chapter 18. And again, this is kind of one of those passages that I go to all the time these days. It says, again, truly I tell you that if two or if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be 
done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. You see, guys, the best way to have a relationship with somebody is to be with them. And what Jesus is saying, you want me around with you. You gather together with others who have accepted the terms of my relationship, who accept me as king, who the direction of their life is to serve me as their Lord. And I'm there with you. There's a reason for it. We read about that in Hebrews chapter 3, where it says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. You see, guys, we need each other. And I'm going to ask you to examine your, your, your relationships. Those are your closest to specifically inside the church or inside the kingdom, however, whatever terminology you want to look at. What defines your friendships inside the church? With those you're closest to, what defines it? Is it because you're in the same demographic? You know, you're both in the same age bracket. You know, like me and my wife, you know, we're in our late 50s and going to the doctor all the time. You know, so we we want to huddle around other people with with medical issues and physical issues and you know maybe it's young married with young children maybe it's married with teenagers is is that what defines it maybe it's you have the same job but maybe it's you have the same career interests or the same hobbies hunting fishing football you see guys Jesus terms for our relationship is the the number one thing that should pull us together that we should connect about is our role, is our relationship with Jesus as our King, as our Master, as our Lord, and our role as servants, as subjects, as uh, representatives of Him. Guys, when I'm having a hard time persevering at representing Jesus, I don't want to get together and watch a football game. I want to get together... And I want to be encouraged to keep going by somebody who I know is fighting just as hard to represent the King. And I long for the Greater Alton Church specifically to really, that be one of the things that defines us is we have these relationships, close relationships with others who serving our King is at the core of those relationships. And that's what unites us. That's what brings us together. That's what sets the direction. See, guys, because we also have another role to fill in all our other relationships, and that is to represent Jesus to the lost and to those in the world. And, guys, so many times we, we develop friendships with those who aren't following Jesus and we like it, we get something out of it, but we forget our role. We, we maybe even give up our role or fail to accept our role as a representative of Jesus to share our faith, not only with our words, but how we live. And the more we 
committed we are to living our life and fulfilling that role, the more opportunities we will see to speak and to share Jesus with the lost world around us. Guys, as 2021 starts, we can talk bad about 2020, it's over. 2021 is here. And I I want to encourage you, I want to invite you, I want to challenge you to reset your relationship with Jesus, to examine where it's at. If you've walked away from his terms of peace or you've never really understood his terms of peace, I invite you to accept him. And I encourage you to to do that daily because it's a growing thing. It's not a once for all. It's not a one and done. It's It's something we grow into and mature into. And you gather around you others. You make your closest relationships with others who are also committed with him as Lord, with him as King, and him as Master. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your word is so clear when we truly seek you. And Father, I may I thank you that you you truly tr- truly do even in suffering make our burden light. Father, you've promised that. Father, I pray you help us to reset our relationship with Jesus as it needs to be. I'm sure there's some who are hearing this who saying, "Gary, I'm right on with you, man. I'm there." Amen. But they may see some point and go, man, I need to be closer. I'm not talk about that or I don't encourage those I'm closest with to have that same type of relationship. Father, maybe others who say, I've never really understood it this way or I've gotten away from living that way. Father, Jesus is our King. He's our Master. He's our Lord. We're His servants. Father, I pray we can all do examine ourselves and take the needed steps. Father, I pray that specifically around Greater Alton we hear this terminology more as we continue to individually live up to our commitment to represent Jesus as our King. And it's through His, through his power and authority that we ask all these things. Amen.